0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes Kickfighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You are listening to this podcast in one of two ways, but there's more out there, but these are the main two. Uh, either you are at my blog, which is com, or you are the most efficient way of entering Warman Kickfighting Show into the iTunes search engine, and the show pops right up. So... Grateful to have you guys here, and uh, I am all smiles because Yotsin Klai Fairtex has announced his retirement today after one of the great, great, great careers uh, in, in uh, Muay Thai and kickboxing. Uh, he will be a guy who, if I had a top 10 all time, time, uh, for me personally, as far as international and stadium, he would be in it. You know, he is a phenomenal fighter, um, and then he's Crosses all of the dots for me, or you know, crosses all the lines. Uh, anything that I think that you ask of a combat sport uh, athlete, he's done it. And um, the it's not just the wins; it's the stoppages, it's the flair, it's the doing something that history remembers. So, gonna go ahead, jump right into looking at it. I was trying to decide how I wanted to do this story because when I first met. like when he first came across my path, um, he had already had a full-impeded run. So when he finally got to fighting international, it just things were a little bit different. So anyways, let's go ahead and start uh, going through this. And, um, you know, I I just – it's just so crazy when I saw that news. And I just kind of kept smiling, and I'm just – Glad that he was able to pull this off. He was able to have this in his career. So we'll go ahead and get started. And this is just um just really, really cool. Alright, so right his route to the Lumpy the Lumpini title championship had some ups and downs in there. He had a win over Sam A, uh lost to Port and I a few times. Um He's got a win over Kou Fertex, lost to Nop, or, uh a loss and then a win with uh, uh He had, you know, your your basic career that you see in the stadiums, those guys are able to get winning records after a while, but they don't go through it like a, you know, 90% victories. A lot of the times in the stadiums, you you know, you there are people who can go on really good runs, but sometimes it's just win a few, lose a few. It's just the name of the game. You know, Orno's, is, you know, there, uh, uh Saget Petsch, he had so many good fighters in his area. Signam was in his area, lost to Signam. He really had some tough guys, but he kept fighting, kept pushing. He was a good you know, good level. He, when he started the game, he got into it because of his brother. So, Yosuke's brother got into it. He was a regional champion, and he said he just wanted to be like him and the other kids, so that's why he wanted to fight. And then he ended up getting to the highest level of Lumpini. Had back and forth, fighting to the best of his ability, and then in 2005, uh, he was able to beat Ruin Cal, and that was for the vacant 147-pound MP title. So that was the big win that put him on the map. Now here goes a win that most people don't know about, and it's it's funny that that it's come up at this period of time, but. He gets a victory over Samkor uh Komtep. And the reason why this is interesting is this is where he wins the super welterweight champion. Um, and uh, it's the fight that sets him up for people to say, you know, maybe he could be the guy to represent us internationally. Because at this point, it's all, you know, Bangkok. And, and uh, he's, you know, uh, I believe it was for the... Gosh, the Thailand PAT title. I just, I just, I just can't think of the name of it right now. But anyways, um, that's I think was the fight where people were wondering how would he do on the highest level. He had stopped uh, Ranko to win the 147 title, and he goes up to win at 154 right afterwards. And I think that that's you know good management stuff like that. That's where he makes the move. Enter John Wayne Parr. So this is how I first hear about who Yoltsin Kly is. John Wayne Parr was, you know, and still is to this day, the 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 favorite of the kickboxing and Muay Thai community, our community. Because he posted in all the fight forums, uh, you know, kakatugi, K one fans, K one USA, he was just one of one of us. He did we're all doing our best to find fights. Uh this is before YouTube is what it is now, you know what I'm saying? This is it's the world's way different now. <laughs> but at this time we used to like share videos and upload through Mecca Upload and Send Space and, like, uh, some BitTorrents, and we did all we could to find fights, um, and we just had these communities of people that lived in forums, you know, and now things are different because Twitter's out there and Instagram's out there, but fight forums were huge, and that's where you came to get with people who liked the interests that you had, so, anyways, the sport of, you know, um, Uh, Muay Thai reached out to have some more significance or or reached out to add to its resume or or to its legitimacy which it already had but adding the WBC to it which is a long running boxing title really went a long way for you know getting people interested in kickboxing, to this day, kickboxing and Muay Thai, there are people who want that green belt. Uh, but when this was first done, it was a surprise. And everybody was excited about it, and it was super cool. And the first title fight that we knew about was John Wayne saying, I'm going to go against and Clive Fairtex. Uh, you know, a Thai kid from, you know, was 19 years old. Uh, and, um... He was excited about it. He posted about it. He let us know. So then, of course, we're all, you know, behind John and so on. So then we watched the fight, and Yotin Klai is phenomenal. He had a really good uh, power left leg to the body. And uh, I remember that was my first time really seeing someone, like, smash at someone's arm and move them across the body he is a powerful powerful guy and then he had tricks out of it he had a right hook out of it he had a lead uppercut he would play with fakes and uh uh knee fakes when you know he picks his legs up and he just he was phenomenal so he gets the victory over john wayne and afterwards john wayne gave him this dude he goes that was one of the most skilled guys i've ever been in there with so he continued to you know Gip fights internationally after that. most Still Muay Thai for the most part. Uh, after Janway, he stops uh, Elias Arias. He stops Arslan Iran. Uh, he stops uh, Marseille uh, Skuponski. And then comes the opportunity that was big that didn't go in the direction that we thought. He had the opportunity to fight against Kamel El Amrani. On the 2006 K1 World Grand Prix. To this day, the best K1 World Grand Prix. Anyways, um, on that card, uh, he was on the undercard. And, of course, Bukau was on the main card. And Bukau, who, you know, had a really good evening that evening. It was decided that even though and Clyde went out there and performed well. And he sold himself. And he had the mohawk and different hair and stuff like that. It was decided in that very moment that they would only have Bokau as the representative for Thailand on the glory, um, how do you say, uh, uh, he would be the only one on the K1 circuit representing Thailand because they didn't want a bunch of Thais dominating what was going on, so... I thought that, that was a wise move. For the company, it was a wise move. So uh, at the time, we just wanted the best fighters in the world to fight in K1, uh, both heavyweight and the maps. So their understanding is of people who were finding fights on, you know, uh, uh, torrents and YouTube and. You know, sense-based, stuff like that, whatever. We weren't there watching television. You know, we're like, we weren't their TV audience, and we weren't buying tickets to the shows because we weren't close enough. So when all this kind of came together, and they made a decision, okay, we have to do what's best for our TV show. Well, Cal had the look, and he was winning, so they went with him, and they decided not to go with Jotzenklau. Doesn't matter. Yotin Klai continues to fight and get opportunities. Uh after that he, you know, uh has a run in France. A lot of people are still upset about the Farid Veloom uh decision, but he beat um Rafik uh Bakori, beat Mark Fogel, uh beat Sebastian Farve, and then comes the big breakout for Jotunclay. The thing that makes Jotunclay who he is today is the Contender Asia Season 1. And when that comes out, as soon as you see his name's there, everybody's looking at it. It was easy. It's just like the ultimate fighter here in America. You know the two best guys are right away. And it was clear and easy to see that Jan Park and... Uh, Yosin Klai were probably going to be the ones at the end barring some sort of injury, you know? He ends up going out there, and uh, they have a really great episode where uh, Bruce McPhee talks about how he wants to go against Zach Khan because he knows that's an easy mark. He says, that's easy, get me to the next round, no problem, because he was so much bigger and stronger than Zach Khan. And Zach, you know, ZigZach Kahn had just kind of worked his way into that spot later in his career. But, like, there was, like, he... He didn't have the fight experience of anybody on there. And Bruce McPhee, to this day, has probably fought more times than anybody in Australia, Muay Thai history. So, Jotun Klai says on the show, he'll fight Bruce. He says, I'll beat Bruce easy. It's it's so funny how he's just casually so confident that no matter what, you've been fighting a billion times. I'm better than you. I'm going to win. And he just said, hey, no problem. I'll fight him. And he goes, yeah, I can beat him easy. No worries. So it just makes me laugh and smile as I think about that. But goes out there, beats Bruce McPhee. Next time uh, they go into a round and Norpole has got to fight, uh, Norpole Fairtex who ends up fighting his teammate, Yotzin Klai. Uh, he stops him with punches. And then um, Sean Wright uh, was the last fight to earn himself to the finals, and he ended up stopping Sean Wright with an uppercut. So, just phenomenal, phenomenal fighter. Um, goes on after this to fight Fred Volum again. Stops him. Beats Shannon Foreman. Stops him. Beats Dmitry Shomolkov, uh Has the hiccup with Andy Sauer. But the interesting thing about this is... These all took place before the final of the contender, (laughs) John Wayne Parr. Like, he fit them in there after they had finished the show. So, it's just funny that he was able to get, you know, four or five more fights in before they had that final. Anyways, we move forward. So, um... John Wayne Parr put up a good effort, but he was able to drop John Wayne Parr twice. And he won the fight, won big prize money. And then later on, if you ran into him, like I did in Thailand, and they'd go, uh, oh, how is he doing? And he says, "Um, well, he is uh, Teddy Onk is his name. He doesn't train the same, you know, because his dream was to get his mom a house, which he did, uh, you know, took care of his family and uh had a little bit left over i think they had a gym like him and his brother were gonna do uh didn't go to it too much but still he would half-heartedly train and go out there and beat guys he ended up saying like just he was such a name and he was so talented he stopped artem levin with a right hook that's artem levin like like just artem beat him in like some amateur thing down the road but like he beat Artem Levin when Artem Levin was really on form and doing really, really well. Uh, Johan Ladon's another big victory. Um, Cosmo Alexander and Champions versus Champions. That was uh, the first time I seen him fight live. Uh, was able to beat him um, with low kicks there. Uh, just a talent. Just a really strong guy, really good talent. And these opportunities helped to make him the fighter that he wasn't able to do in K-1. Because around this time is where I'm actually met him and got to talk to him a couple of times. Yo English way better than people think. Way better than people think. Just so many Westerners come by the gym. So uh he would um sat down, he talked to me for a little bit, and I'm talking to him and Teddy, and then he goes, uh, I wanna fight Bokau. And I says, Why wanna why does he wanna fight Bokau? And he says, uh, because he's famous and I'll beat him. And I just thought that it was just so funny. Like he just He was so locked in on that. And uh, the other rumor that was happening at the time when I was there, and this is a hilarious little side story I'll tell you guys, some people thought that Norpole was the strongest. So I'm at the gym. They're like, "Nah, Norpole's the strongest. And then I go, really? Why do you say that? And then he goes, because, like, he's, uh, and he is. Like, he knows the game, and he's got a good body kick. Norpole, Norpole's great. Like, he's great person for me just in general because he helped me a lot like would physically get stuff for me and like he was good people but um they were real big on norpole and then i said but when they fought on the contender yotes and won and then they were like well that was business and i'm sure that they just uh um wanted norpole to kind of take a dive for yotes and and then i remember saying well If they wanted him to take a dive for Yotsin Wouldn't that tell you that they perceive Yotsin as the strongest? (laughs) It was just a funny moment. So anyways... um, He ends up going on to be a big time international superstar. Victories over Kareem Gaji. uh, When Thai Fight came into play later... um, He had great runs. uh, uh, A lot of victories there. Uh, Had some losses too, but did a lot of victories there. Um, here is one of the scarier things, scarier things that you will think about. So, he won a Lumpini title in 2004 and had the, the international run that I spoke of. The first time people started to wonder would his career be over was the 2011 year where he had a stoppage loss, um, and, uh, was it, did he get to a decision? I thought it was a lo- I thought that he was stopped anyways, um he loses to uh Yoshihiro Shiruse. uh that was in Japan um, who else am I forgetting there's there was a draw in there, uh Arthur Kashingo, of course, that loss. um there was a the period of time where you just didn't think he had it anymore like that was just a big time question. You're like, I don't know if this guy's gonna be elite anymore. He had that run. And now it doesn't seem like he's the same person anymore. He then rededicates himself to the sport, completely changes his body. He always had kind of like a flat stomach, borderline gut. But when he comes back and he fights Vladimir Murvachik and then he fights Kim Setsan Pinong, he is ripped up. He's got abs. He's been doing CrossFit. Like, he really, really changed himself physically in a way that I didn't think was going to happen. Like, I was blown away. By what it, the the change that had happened to his body, he then goes on. In two thousand and twelve, of March was where he beats Vladimir Moravecik. He does not lose again until two thousand and nineteen, March fifth against Sammy Sana in that really really great, awesome back and forth fight. It blows me away that he pretty much won, and he's not beating nobody's, Okay, he's got. Annie Sauer, old Annie Sauer, but still Andy Sauer. Christy Gimbe's in there, Enrique kill's in there, Cedric Munhoff's in there, uh Victor Nagby's in there, Morocca in there. Like, this is a seven-year Chi He ended up he had a line fight run. This is one of the phenomenal, phenomenal, all-time great resumes. That just from 2012, from March, or from uh May of 2012. To May of 2019, he did not lose, and that is just psycho. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like he just had a great, great career, great run, beat a lot of guys, made good money. Now again, he's you know got big management, powerful management, and uh, we don't know where that's going to lead to. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he is a big time fighter who was a bigger than life role uh, in, in combat sports. He's bigger than life role in Muay Thai. If you talk about the sport you bring his name up. Everyone knows what you're talking about. They know the powerful left leg and part of me when I talk about someone, if they're great who'd you beat? How'd you beat them? When'd you beat them? And then what did you do towards the imagination of sports? So did you do something where people go, man this person did this and nobody could stop it? His left leg body kick is still considered the strongest body kick in all of combat sports and all of Muay Thai, period. There's no one that I've ever heard before him or after him that have been known more for their powerful kick to the body. Now, there are some really, really talented guys all time in stadium and Muay Thai. He is not one of those guys. He is not a top 10 guy all time in the stadiums. But he is a for sure top 10 guy in international Muay Thai and uh, for sure what he's done over his career was just phenomenal. Just from going you know, back and forth between kickboxing and Muay Thai and who he fought and when he fought him. He's great. He had a phenomenal career. I cannot wait to hear that he's just doing alright and he's got kids and he's sitting around fat somewhere at the end of his career. But he really did put in a great time and had a great life and I'm sure it's a little bit tough because where they stayed in, in Thailand was, or, you know, in Fairtex, it was all right. You know what I'm saying? They had an all right little setup, you know. <laughs> so I'm sure he's, like, seeing that great facility and all that stuff. And uh, I'm sure part of him's like, man, do I want to be leaving this? But, nah, he, he's done. He had a great job. And most fighters in this game, they leave without having anything. It sounds like, by who I've talked to, Jotin Clay leaves this game with something to to hold on to. So definitely excited, definitely happy that he had that, and I'm excited for what he does next in his life. I'm gonna go ahead and go into some results. Ilias Anashi gets a victory over Super Like Kit 9 um, in one's uh event what well, was last Friday, and uh some controversy. Wasn't the cleanest, wasn't the most beautiful fight. Elias was able to get the decision. Uh, it sounds like they want to do a rematch. A lot of people felt Superleck won. Um, but, you know, Elias had mentioned, he goes, I haven't fought in a year and four months. That's from the champion. You know what I'm saying? Like, got to have more consistency from that. And it's not, I don't know, I don't think it's because he's been injured all this time. I just think that he hadn't been booked. So I'm glad that that came together and it worked out. Georgia Petrosian gets a victory over Davit Kiria. Uh, as I mentioned before, this was a almost slap in the face for me because I thought that there were way better, way cooler opportunities, fights that could be made. That Davit Kiria, being the guy chosen, it really was a disappointment. Uh, he'd already beat Davit Kiria and. Shout out to one championship. They really be be uh, selling it. Uh, they gave this stat that the last person to beat Petrosian <laughs> was uh, Andy Risty, And Daveet Kiria beat Andy Risty. They threw that stat up. And I was like, yeah, but yeah, Georgia Petrosian's already beat David Curia. So, like, <laughs> that math don't work out. So, it just made me laugh. They'd be lot, So anyways, um, Kiria gets a, um, you know, did his best and went out there and tried hard. But Petrosian already fought him, already knew his speed, already knew the combos he was going to play. Uh, hurt him bad in one one part of the fight. Kiria was able to weather that sturm, storm. Um, Georgia George Petrosian's all-time great, all-time great. He'd be my top five all-time. Great job, great victory, and even as he aged, he's still sustaining his skill and athleticism. He's he's amazing. Next up we've got Rod Tang Jitmung-Nam against Tigor uh, Kalilov. This was a replacement. Kalilov came in after uh the uh previous um opponent. I don't know what it was. I don't think it was injury. I can't remember if it was injury or COVID. I think it was injury. Anyways, Rod Tang, my favorite thing about Rod Tang is this. If he doesn't feel the fight's exciting enough, he'll just go ahead and just drop his hands, just let you punch him in the face a couple times while he screams at you. He is the all action star in kickboxing. You want to see this guy fight. He does things that are not the wisest. He will probably not age well taking all the shots that he's taking. Uh, Again, now that's spec, I mean, that's. It doesn't seem like there's any consistency to it. There are some people who were hit very little that are in bad shape, and there are some people who were hit a lot that are all right. But ratang is something else this guy it it's just funny to 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 watch where now again it was split decision, so he played around a little bit more than he should have but the fact that he would just drop his hands and get hit in the face and then scream and then ask for it over and over and again and he's just and then go out there and try to kill you with punches and 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 drop in you know big kicks and He's just so much fun to watch. He's so much fun to watch. He's so fun for kickboxing. Uh, I don't know if he'll be able to fight like that forever because it's just like falling off a cliff. One day you can't do that anymore. Um, but good job and good stuff for him. Hiroki Akimoto gets a victory over Shang-Long uh in kickboxing. And then Jackie Bunton gets a victory over Wonder Girl Fairtex. Jackie is a... US kickboxing standout in the amateur system. Uh she wins all the major tournaments. Uh she's got a good style about her. Um she you know, she can play the game and like she, you know, she's been in this for a very, very long time. Um she was so much better than Wonder Girl. It actually kind of freaks me out a little bit. I could I wondered how it would translate when she went to the pros. And I saw she had Wonder Girl. Now, normally in general, I'll go ahead and say this. The girls that are in Thailand right now will struggle physically with girls from the West just in general. Like, they will. They're, sh- they're not uh, physically strong. Like, like um, I mentioned, you know, uh, Yotsin Klai. He is a physically strong guy. So the girls that they produce, for whatever reason, are not physically strong like that. Just you know, they're, they're sports strong. So a Loma, she's pretty, she's pretty strong. Luke Wengbo, Bu, like she's pretty strong. Loma's pretty strong. Um, so when I saw this come together, I go, okay. Wonder Girl had a good year last year. Was able to fight with girls. Uh, Jackie bunta I was like, man, that's a really interesting first fight. But when they went out there, from 30 seconds into the fight, I was like, Jackie's way better than this girl. Her hand speed was exceptional. She actually, to me, fought better in this fight than she did in the amateur run that made her famous. Like she, It's almost like the stars aligned. And shout out to uh, Brian Popejoy, uh, her coach, also the um, uh, coach for a lot of talented Muay Thai fighters in the world. Um, it's just... Uh, And not to mention people who are on that one championship uh, uh, roster, um, as uh, he has uh, Janet Todd and I know it's those two. There might be one other one. He's got a glory fighter. Like, he is one of the up-and-coming coaches in the world, uh, and he's had them for so long. He had, she was a, a child, like a very, very good, you know, fighter, but like a young lady. Uh, When she first came onto the scene, and um, sorry, I got a message there, Um, but like I think she was eight years old, and then she eight or nine, and then she fell in love with it, stayed with it. So here he is, has her twenty-three years old, one on the you know on a big stage with a big huge win. She was phenomenal. The uh, hooks that she scored that dropped, um, uh, Wonder Girl was exceptional her speed when she threw combinations she just showed so much it was such an impressive debut i was really really blown away with how well she did really excited for what her future is going to be because i still look back on that and i go i can't believe how good this young lady is she brought it so uh excited about her future excited hopeful to see more um just got to stay healthy just got to stay you know um uh active that's the big problem with one championship fighters that they're complaining about now they don't have a lot of activity so hopefully that's not the case so anyway so let's go ahead and move into what do we have here there's only one big one left I want to talk about and that was the Rise card. Rise card was really good like they had a lot of good stuff on it. I was surprised by it clearly of course you, you go to the top down when you think about Rise because um, the great oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I said sorry to you guys because you, you guys don't know. I'm shifting between the notes as I have them set up, but uh, they had a card called Eldorado, not sure why that was the theme they wanted to go with, anyways. But um, Tenshin Natsukawa doing two intention Natsukawa things goes out there and gets a, a victory, um, super fast, super talented, uh, but. Shiro uh, Matsumoto put up a game effort in spots and was able to get to a decision. After the fight, Tenshin says that he just has a few more kickboxing before he moves on to chase his dream of being a boxing champion. The heartbreaking thing about kickboxing right now in the world is right now I would actually, and I think Inoue uh, Monster, the uh, guy who's killing it right now in boxing, I think he's a big part of why this is true, getting to come over to the U.S., still being people, whatever. Boxing right now is hot in Japan. It's always been hot, but it's really hot right now because people are getting big, having success there, and they're seeing it as, I can now go out and fight uh, internationally. Um, it's pretty awesome. It's awesome to see that. It's awesome to hear that, um, that they're getting those opportunities. But, of course, it's heartbreaking that... People are going into kickboxing, having fun with it, and then moving on. It's not considered an a, a end goal or a means in itself. So, it's a little heartbreaking, but we'll see where that goes. Tenshin Asukao gets victory, moves forward. Kento Hiraguchi gets a victory uh, over Heiji, excuse me, Heiju Shiratori. And then we have Matsuhisho Suzuki gets a victory over Soma Tomeda. And... Um, last one I'm going to mention, there's a lot. Uh, Jinky Omino vict- got a victory on here. Uh, Ubara got a victory on this card. Uh, Ryuya uh, Okuwaki got a victory on this card. So those are just some of the mainstays. People who have fought for the promotion several times. Noah Bae, Look out for Noah Bae. He's fun. You ended know up saying he's a talented guy. Uh, he gets a victory over Ryuya by decision. The Noah Bay walkout was fun. So, like... Talented guys on this car, definitely be on the lookout for it. Definitely, if you get the videos online, check them out for sure. It's on Fight TV if you haven't gotten it. so. Anyways, thanks everybody for listening. God bless and I will be back next week. Oh, before I leave, I want to apologize for missing the week before. But uh, we had this huge snowstorm in my state of Texas, and then a lot of people lost power uh and then i me and my my wife, we actually had to go to our parents in law so that's why there hasn't been a podcast because we lost power, and you know once we get stuff back, podcast isn't on the list of things to do so uh yep, yeah, just wanted to apologize for that and let everybody know that I appreciate them being part of my kickboxing journey, and I really hope that you all sit down and appreciate, your, you know, Yotin and Klaib by watching any of his fights. God bless and have a good one.